right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This is episode 30. Um, as so many of us are aware, in the modern age, we live in a world that is built by the numbers. There's no getting away from it. Anyone who is paying attention uh, has come to realize that this is true. We can look at nearly any event in history and roll it back to the, uh, the numerical system that surrounds any given event. Take the JFK hoaxed assassination, the staged event. For those who gasp when they hear these words, uh, you can go look up on YouTube. So many people now have shown the Zook Pruder film to be a fraud that it is. But let's take a, click, a little more careful look at the numbers. You see, the fake JFK assassination was not far from the 33rd parallel. The original highest Scottish free rights masonry uh, establishment was set up on the 33rd degree parallel on the East Coast. Um, at the moment, uh, is it, I don't know, I was going to say Virginia, but I'm not sure. Anyone can look it up. Uh, Charleston, maybe? Um, anyhow, uh, these numbers, you know, well, let me back up a little bit. We can see the, uh, the faked Roswell alien nonsense also at the 33rd degree parallel. Um, as the 33rd degree parallel runs out into San Diego, uh, where I used to reside and spent most of my life, there is a very rich community sitting right there on the 33rd parallel. Um, everything we see in history is set up by the numbers. As a matter of fact, uh, right on the 33rd degree parallel is Truth or Consequences New Mexico, which actually has a weird connection to the JFK assassination because there was a, uh, a truth or consequences club that had to do. People can go look up what that's about. Um, but on the 33rd parallel in truth or consequences, New Mexico is the ridiculous Virgin Galactic, which has been at the supposed space game some 14, 15 years. I've forgotten now. Um, and all they're trying to do is take a vehicle up to the edge of space, fall it back down, and reuse it in 28 or 48 hours or something and they have not been able to do it. One of the last quotes I heard from the supposed CEO of Virgin Galactic was that uh, space is hard. And yet in the early 60s, the man who would later come through the fake assassination, JFK, uh, announced we were going to go to the moon and come back, and we supposedly did these things in less than 10 years, and still here in the modern age with all the technology at our disposal, we cannot even take a vehicle up to the edge of space, let it fall back down and reuse it. This world is not as it appears for the people who travel through watching television, listening to the news, and accepting what they're being told. And that's what this episode is going to be about. I'm going to demonstrate to the listener what television is. And... Uh, they should be able to put together in their own minds what damage television has done. As a matter of fact, there is no greater weapon in the modern age than television. In a short three generations, marking from roughly the 40s or what has been called the greatest generation going into World War II, um, in three short generations, the high-minded ideals of a civilization have been brought low and a big part of this is due to television. Of course, the papers played a role. I just rewatched uh, Citizen Kane, regularly voted the greatest movie of all time. 
And it astounds me that people could watch a movie like that so long ago and still have gone out and bought newspapers or listened to the news and thought that they were getting anything that resembled an accurate account or the truth. Of course they were not. And of course, in the modern age, people are still tuning in every day to learn about their elections, to learn about some event in the world which is wholesale nonsense. You know, one has to wonder, was there ever a time when the supposed ancient secret knowledge of what is called or held by the royal arch degrees or higher in Freemasonry, was there ever a time when these things they supposedly know were meant to benefit humanity? Because clearly they are not benefiting humanity in the modern age. We see nonsense spouted from the television daily and when those of us who can see through both eyes and understand at some level take these events apart it always comes back to the numbers doesn't it we live in an encoded world but the real issue at hand here is are we looking at some semblance of reality or is it something else and for my money it is something else it is the wholesale social engineering of a world um, and it goes on and on and on and it will go on and on until people come to the realization that they're not being told the truth and that the main tools in this in the modern age are any any form of news don't care how it comes to you um, and of course the television which now is in nearly every room of every home and believe you me the folks who understood the power of television and that it was headed to be in every home they made the most of it and that is to our deficit so this episode is going to be about television and we're going to talk about things like the american university and the things that television has done and who owns tv and how tv came to be where its origins are and the people that were behind it so as we jump into episode 30 um let's rethink what we accept as okay in our society. Let's rethink something as common as an appliance that sits in every home, which we have all taken for granted at one time in our lives, thinking it was nothing more than a way to pass the time. Let's rethink these things, and let's jump in. Okay, so as we jump into television, um, we're going to be addressing a thing that most people take for granted. They see it in their home every day and they think, oh, what's the big deal? Um, I'm gonna make an attempt here to show you that it is a big deal. And as I have said so many times, whenever we can connect 9-11 to any given event, um, you should understand what is going on here. Um, you could do a simple internet search to understand that we are told the Queen's Messenger, which was a one-act play was claimed to be the first one of the first dramas broadcast uh, on television. I think the first broadcasting place was, uh, ah, shoot, I forgot, it's a Victorian Palace in London. But The Queen's Messenger was first broadcast on September 11, 1928. Okay? So let's use that as a frame of reference. As I was doing some of the research for this, there was a man named Hal Becker that was in a think tank, and he is quoted as saying, I know the secret of making the average American believe anything I want him to. Just let me control television. 
One of the things that TV does, and I'm going to outline specifically the physiological effects of a human being in front of a TV here in a moment, but it homogenizes a culture. And in my last episode where I was talking about the other side of social engineering or the side that's a bit separated from television, one of the methods that is used to engineer an entire world is by limiting variety. One of the ways variety is limited in huge groups of people is to take something that's already happened and loop it back into the system. So the average person will probably be thinking, well, what does that even mean? So think of it like this. You have a huge group of people. Uh, they have nothing in common. They're not watching TV. And what are they going to do in a day? Well, each individual has almost limitless things it could think of to do or he or she could think of to do. And that would be a lot of variety. But now consider the modern society where we all watch TV, uh, like 75% of America watch it for over six hours a day or something like this. We're all influenced by what we're being shown. And one example of that is when you go into work the next day, someone's talking about a TV show that they saw around the water cooler. What you're looking at is homogenization, the, the reduction of variety. And one of the key ways to socially engineer is to limit variety. And the television is perfect for it. Think of maybe fashion, how every couple decades, the fashion of, say, the 80s will loop back around and be popular again. You're looking at social engineering. You see where the 90s or the 2000s or the 2010s could have their own unique fashion style, what we see is this other fashion style looped back in, this thing that is already happening, limiting variety. So I'm going to read a quote that I thought was one of the best descriptions of what a television does to a human being. This quote is lifted from a book called The Tavistock Institute, written by Daniel Estelin. When you watch TV, the right hemisphere is twice as active as the left hemisphere, which in itself is a neurological anomaly. The crossover from left to right hemispheres releases a surge of the body's natural opiates, endorphins, which include beta endorphins and enkephalines. Endorphins are structurally identical to opium and its derivatives, like morphine, codeine, or heroin. So basically, what this quote says is that when a person sits down to watch television, um, they're in a, uh, a beta wave state of mind, where it was, this is another thing that I was reading about, you're in a beta wave, within, if you're a habitual TV watcher, within about three minutes you switch to alpha waves, which is what a brain should look like when it's sleeping. For a person who watches TV, but maybe not as habitually, it takes a few minutes for this to occur. But what happens is, instead of both hemispheres being active, there's a crossover to the right, and one of the side effects is that is endorphins being released, which is no different than taking an opiate. So your television is literally, literally drugging you. But it, it goes on. It goes on to say, Another effect of watching television is the higher brain regions, such as the midbrain and the neocortex, are shut down. These are where higher brain functions occur. Okay, And most activity shifts to the limbic system, your lower brain. 
What this means is your lower brain doesn't have any ability to distinguish fantasy from reality and television shifts you out of your higher mind that does have the ability to do these things and it shifts you into a very susceptible, suggestive state of mind and again, your brain waves have shifted towards a sleeping pattern. Moreover, these lower brain regions cannot distinguish from reality from fabricated images. This is a job performed by the neocortex. So they react to television content as though it were real, releasing the appropriate hormones and so on. Too much activity in the lower brain or the limbic mind leads to atrophy in the higher brain regions. Now that's the only quote I'm going to read in all this, but basically I read this across numerous studies in different shapes and forms with differing amounts of, of information. What it comes down to is a habitual television watcher, which watches more than three to four hours a day, when they sit down within a few seconds, about 30 seconds, uh, your brain waves have switched and you have switched over into your right mind and falling and are beginning to fall into your limbic or lower or reptilian mind, which cannot distinguish fantasy from reality. A person who's not so habituated, as I mentioned before, who maybe only watches an hour or two a day, it takes a few more minutes, but the same thing occurs. And again, the endorphins are basically an opiate, so your television is drugging you. So these are the physiological effects, and the reason I bring this up is because so many people come to the channel who consider that they're very aware of what television is, and they get this mindset like, well, I can safely watch television now. It's just not a true thing. I record certain things to do research all the time, but I am never, ever, ever, ever at a point where I think I'm above it. I understand what the TV is doing. I understand what it is trying to do to me. One of the things that I do uh, to try to combat that as I'm doing my research is I constantly say to myself, where was the camera? Where's the camera in the shot? Where's the director? Where are all the lights being positioned? How was this stage set put together? I'm always trying to get into my higher mind to break the spell that TV is trying to put me under. And it's a difficult thing because while you're trying to research a TV show and looking for critical details, at the same time you're sitting there trying to say, okay, the camera must have been at this angle, there's lighting over here, and, and all these other things. It's a difficult, difficult thing. But at the end of the day, I limit to a very few hours a week of research programming that I will look at and quite often I never watch the whole program because once I've seen a certain amount I have what I need uh, having done the research and uh, and so there it is so as most people are familiar with um, in America the big three networks that sprung up first with television were NBC CBS and ABC um, as I mentioned before um, RCA, the company RCA was weaponized um, to go into World War II and they took over all broadcasting mediums like radios and in my articles on weaponized music I point out that uh, the RCA controlled media like radio and music companies and things. It was never unweaponized after the war ended but few people understand that NBC, CBS and ABC all sprung from RCA which is a very telling thing indeed. And while you can go through and um, look at recent counts that claim something like five overarching corporations own all broadcast media in this day and age, that's a bit deceptive. 
Because what you find if you dig further is that all the people that sit on the boards of the supposed five corporations are all members in things like the CFR, NATO, the Club of Rome, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergs, um, all these supposed entities which actually pull the uh, puppet strings and control this world. And what we find is that it's not really fair to say that five organ five corporations own these uh, major broadcasting facilities for all of television uh, when in fact all the people involved are at a higher level uh, on these boards like the Trilateral Commission um, and that even sets aside the idea that people are putting forward that the black nobility or the Venetian black nobility um, which established the first banking uh, out of Italy or Venice or something like this are actually the highest level of organization that control things like NATO, the CFR, and other things. And people can go do a lookup on black nobility. Um, by the way, of course, this includes the Rothschilds and the, uh, the Rockefellers and families like this, but it almost seems uh, that these are the public names that are allowed to be bandied about and hated on by the common man, when in fact, if you look up the black Venetian family names, uh, they will be less familiar to all of us. And there are differing accounts um, how black nobility plays into this, but at the end of the day, we can we can draw lines all day long to British royalty and, of course, the Vatican. And these are members in one way, shape, or form of what's called the black nobility. And by the way, if you're wondering why it's called black nobility, they picked up the moniker black because of all the dirty tricks that they apparently played to hold power. And I would urge anyone, you know, Jungle Surfer, other channels like this have done extensive work on these very old royal family names and uh, and again, I would urge you to go look up black nobility. And I could do a breakdown of what corporations own what and which are owned by Disney and the 157 other channels that are owned by Disney. But it doesn't really matter. When you look at the accounts that are attributed to five corporations owning all broadcasting, already you begin to see a problem. But then when you understand that the board members and all these organizations are in higher overarching international policy law making uh, you know committees and whatnot uh, you see the problem as far back as 1917 there are congressional records in the United States that show people like JP Morgan uh, of banking fame had put together a commission to go establish what were the 12 most influential newspapers in the United States and then go buy them up and this is exactly the kind of thing that is covered in uh, movies like uh, Citizen Kane. Um, so there it is. You, you're looking at monopoly at a level that is really unacceptable. And if the average person understood what was going on, they probably would not be so inclined to use the services and products of, of these places. And to take information like this and focus it back, like, let's look at something like investigative journalism. Is investigative journalism a real thing? Well, under the scenario that I just laid out, it's not really possible, is it? Because you're looking at any supposed journalist as a, an employee of a corporation that is traded on Wall Street. And as every human being should be aware, um, who does a cor corporation serve? Well, a corporation serves... It's stockholders, 
and its board of directors. That's who a corporation serves. So the idea that some employee of a corporation is going to go out and cause trouble for the corporation itself is patently ludicrous. Uh, it's never going to happen. And, you know, in America, so many of us grew up in school being told about the fourth estate. And, you know, this is just more nonsense. In the same way that I will tell you um, that all space travel is a lie, that nuclear weapons and nuclear energy are a lie, that the description of this world is a lie, it is no different. You went through school being told this thing that helped maintain democracy called the fourth estate, in other words, media, the news, um, was this special thing that would keep tabs on elected officials and the three branches of government, and they would do their investigative work, and they would find wrongdoing and report it. Well, that's a lie. And you can know this is a lie simply by looking at who owns what and who they are working for. And when you begin to know these things and look back at the textbooks in school, well, how is it that the people who put textbooks together couldn't know what I know just from simply having looked it up? Well, the truth is they could. But this begins to tell you a little more about how overarching the system with, you know, that we're living in goes. You're darn right. Not even school or textbooks are free from it. And here in a minute, um, I've got a list here that demonstrates that universities, I mean prestigious universities like MIT, like Stanford, like Berkeley, like the University of Michigan, were infiltrated um, prior to the onslaught of the social engineering that went on during the hippie era uh, by the intelligence agencies. And this is not an arguable thing. This is documented, it is published in many books, which means one of two things. Either they published lies wanting people to think this is true, or the people who actually wrote the books did research and published it, and yet were never challenged having published this information. So um, there it is. And maybe I, I, I won't even bother to list them out, but there they are. You know, The most prestigious universities uh, are on the record as having been, being infiltrated by places like the CIA and other intelligence agencies. And one of the really insidious things is they were very interested in the manufacturing of LSD, as an example, during the 60s era. And where did all those drugs come from that the hippies were on? Well, of course, they came from the universities, which begins to demonstrate what we're talking about has legs. But even worse is the psychological aspects of what went on in universities and is going on today in universities and how it's even gotten into Hollywood. And in here in a minute, I'll talk about how a show is planned and then, you know, goes up and gets ready for production. Um, and I'll try to, to look up some of the information and, and present it here that there is actual documentation of psycho psychologists uh, from the Tavistock Institute being in Hollywood and getting their hands on the scripts right before it goes into production to be sure that the social engineering and nonsense is included in everything, basically, that goes out in TV. And by the way, before I move on, um, I want to point out a few things. Well, I want to point out one obvious thing that people can look at. You know, you, you see so much of what's being said here, and then you try to track it back to things that we can see and understand. Well, let's consider Janis Joplin. She was one of the archetype agents of the system used uh, when the Tavistock Institute declared war on the youth of the 60s. And they did declare war. There are documents that demonstrate 
that were not supposed to go out into the public. People have them now. You can look them up where they are frankly flat out saying we are now in a state of war with the youth of this generation and it should be considered as that. This is what they're telling their people in a document that says these documents need to never see the light of day. But even consider the name of Janis Joplin's band. So here's one of the early people at the Monterey Pop Festival, festival which was has shown, been shown in the same way that I'm starting to show Woodstock was a complete fraud and a complete put-up. The Monterey Pop Festival was the early inklings of the social engineering that was going to attack a generation and drug them out and sway their minds with music, fame, and superstars, rock stars. But consider Janis Joplin's band, Big Brother and The Holding Company. That kind of says it all, doesn't it? Big Brother is listed, lifted directly from the book 1984, where an overarching government gone haywire out of control is referred to as Big Brother. Now, all these things have a connection if you look into them. Like Brave New World is like a, a, almost like a, an outline of what people call the New World Order. What they're aiming for is like in the Brave New World, where they basically in a weird way, drugged a society into being slaves, but they don't even realize they're slaves uh, in that kind of a, an allegory. But to get back to Orwell's 1984, Janis Joplin, who's supposed to be peace, free love, and, you know, the flower child generation, is naming her band Big Brother and the Holding Company. So there you have the kind of Illuminati-ish, New World Order-ish, Tavistock, you know, CFR, Club of Rome, reference to 1984 big brother but the holding company well here they are manufacturing all the lsd that's been a, you know the the first inklings that they're going to whack out an entire generation with drugs that really starts in earnest with the lsd so right in the very name of the band big brother and the holding company you can see the encoded poke in the eye that we always get now that we can look backwards with 2020 hindsight and have a clearer view of what's going on knowing that Janis Joplin is not someone that should be idolized. The supposed rock star that died in the 27 Club with Jimi Hendrix and, you know, all the Jim Morrison. These are all agents of the system who, who can be shown to have been from military and intelligence-based families that were put together for the express reason of declaring war on the young generation of the 60s with the goal of social engineering and drugging the living daylights out of them, which succeeded. So let's move on from there. And, and by the way, the truth is, is that so many of these, you know, benchmarks for literature and movie making, um, they're not what you think they are. Um, Brave New World, 1984, these are all references in one shape or form um, of showing this push towards a very fascist one-world government. It's what they are. As a matter of fact, in many cases, some of the people who created these supposed works of literature and art um, are in this kind of royal club. Look at the movie Clockwork Orange. If, if someone came up to you and asked you, what is the movie Clockwork Orange about, what would you say? Well, what you're looking at in Clockwork Orange is a excuse me a youth generation that has been pulled down into its limbic mind its lower animal mind and is basically running rampant committing mindless violence everywhere 
In a way, the movie is making fun of one of the goals of the Tavistock Institute and other organizations that are social engineering a world. See, there's even documents uh, that we can get our hands on that show not only was war declared on a generation, but they sent benchmarks so that they could know when they were succeeding at their goals, many of them psychological. One of the benchmarks that was sent was, we'll know, in the document it would state things like, we'll know when we're succeeding at our objectives when, say, children no longer listen to their parents. And they outlined very careful in Freudian terms, um, totally psychologically tilted writings that say things like, when we have successfully pulled the adult generation into a sufficiently infantile mind, the children will no longer respect or respond to the parental authority anymore because the children will recognize the infantile mindset that the parents possess. A bit like babies looking at babies and, you know, someone expecting some higher moral authority to come out of that. Well, I mean, this is kind of what we see, isn't it? Um, in the hippie generation, we started to see aspects of this. But by the time we get up to even the 80s, you can see the lowering the standard lowering of a mindset. I mean, things like The Simpsons on television. What are we looking at there? If you go back and look at the earliest versions of The Simpsons, you're looking at kind of the lowest echelon family that can be shown at that time. And it evolves from there to kind of like Daniel Tosh that we have now, where throwing up, defecating, urinating, Farting, all these things are high comedy now. Well, that's not possible in a society that's higher-minded, which begins to demonstrate that the benchmark set by Tavistock to pull the adults into an infantile mindset that is so overarchingly obvious that the children will no longer even listen to or respect them. And we've kind of reached that level in many ways. And all we have to do is look at our television, look at the programming, Look at how much defecation, drunkenness, people wiping out as a form of comedy, and you step back and reframe that in your mind to understand and categorize what you are actually seeing is basically a, an, an animal mindset, a manipulation of an animal mindset which corresponds directly with Clockwork Orange, which was making fun of the society they were aiming for, I would submit. And within the programming, there are subsets that we can recognize. Um, and actually, you can go look up in psychological publications that have to do with psychiatrics. Uh, these very known, how do you put it, um, what happens to people in large groups. In other words, when television is presented out to the people, you're being treated as one large group, and even though your household is not really part of the household next to you or the household in a different city, the group dynamics as far as psychiatry or psych, you know, anything psychological is concerned uh, was outlined way, 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 way back before World War II by people like Freud and the Frankfurt School in Germany. This is where the Tavistock Institute put all its kind of eggs in one basket way back then. Um, and then branched off from there. But one of the methods they use, um, I read the outline to it, and then I read about how Tavistock implemented it. And it's called a, 
a shock campaign where basically something really drastic happens, like, say, a terrorism event. But what the news does and what the information sources do is they work very diligently to keep everyone in the overarching group that's watching what's going on on their television, they, they keep all the details fuzzy. And this is a psychological aspect that is planned and implemented. So they put up a terror show, information comes out about it, but not really quite enough so that you can get your mind around it. Then they released conflicting information. And then they do all these other things ensuring that the the group as a whole never has a clear picture of what's going on. The known end result of this is it breaks morale. See, the whole idea here is it's a bit like a, a workers' union. If you have a workers' union, the people in charge get worried because someone might stand up against you. See, television is being used against the masses in this very same way. And what I just described to you is a way to break morale where people actually, in a documented clinical setting, do the same thing that a country does exposed to the same technique, where they shut down, they start going to entertainment, they start drinking, doing other things to just disassociate from this thing that is so shocking that they can't ever quite form an opinion about. There's another thing that is implemented uh, called segmentation of society. And what it basically comes down to is they segment society. It's actually, a good example uh, is going on in the presidential election right now, where so many of the op-ed pieces and things in newspapers are carrying ridiculous stories like a man saying, well, I want to vote for Trump, but it's it's causing so much trouble in my marriage. What can I do? You know, this kind of battle of the sexes baiting. Well, this is exactly what I'm referring to in this method, where people are segmented down by race, by religious beliefs, by gender, by any smaller group you can be segmented off into. And then, you know, you're piecemealed out and different tactics are applied. And, you know, like right now, we are seeing it in the Black Lives Matter the race baiting. So there's the segmentation. The blue lives matter is another version of that. The whole battle of the sexes, which is being fueled by Trump and Hillary. These are all aspects of the social engineering I'm talking about here. And it's in real time. You can look around yourself right now and understand that you are seeing what I am talking about. And I'm telling you flat out, this is places like the Tavistock Institute and other people who are interested in con controlling an entire world population, playing psychological operations on the world as a whole. But as far as I'm concerned right now with Trump and Hillary, it's, you know, focused in the United States. But, you know, that's not even really true. I just did an interview in South Spain, and the people there are heavily invested in the American presidential election. So let's shift over for a second, and here's a little something you can do in front of your television to begin to understand the state of mind you're in while you're watching television. Let's take a situation comedy, which is a bit ironic in itself, considering that we call them sitcoms, giving you the subconscious command to sit and be calm. Calm down, sit down, watch this, a sitcom. Turn on any sitcom and hold yourself in your higher mind and concentrate not on what's going on on the screen, concentrate on the laugh track. And what you will find what I have found, what I believe you will find, what I think you will find, is that if you concentrate on the laugh track of a situation comedy, 
it will become so annoying that it will literally ruin any possibility of you sitting there and enjoying or being entertained by the show. If you hold yourself in your higher mind, do not allow yourself to be drugged down into your limbic system and fall into the kind of zone state that most of us watch TV in and just hold yourself up and concentrate on the laugh track. Over a very short period of time, it will become so annoying um, that you'll almost be thinking, how could I sit here and watch this and never have noticed just how annoying this is? Um, Give it a try. Another thing you can logically examine is news formats, say like cable news, like CNN or Fox or some other 24-hour news cycle. Quite typically, the news is delivered to you in very short, seamless segments. Um, As a matter of fact, I sat down to test some of what I read about it, and it it was correct. In a 30-minute time span, you could be presented with as many as 30 or 40 news items. The way it's done, and I confirmed this, um, is a news item is brought up and a couple of sentences with very plain language, dog, man, very plain verbs is presented to you. So say one news item is three sentences. Each sentence has maybe six. A long sentence would have like 10 words, and I'm not even kidding. Um, So if you logically look at how that news is being presented, and then you take, for example, what could we look at? Let's look at maybe Afghanistan. There's a country that has a long, long history. And so you're being presented this news item about Afghanistan. You get two two sentences somewhere around 15 words total with very simple nouns and verbs. Um, Is that any way to report on a place that has this huge history, huge numbers of peoples, huge numbers of events? You can kind of see what I'm getting at here. It is a very insidious way to manipulate an already zoned out mind looking at the television and again the things I mentioned before about keeping details fuzzy and this kind of thing goes on and as a matter of fact a bigger news story might run a really long time a whole minute and a half or something like that but you can go and look um, at any given day on these 24-hour news cycles and see how this is done and it's a very telling thing Um, This is no way to be informed. And that sets aside, even if we don't consider that we're being zoned out by the television, um, but just the method they're using to supposedly inform you. And I would submit you're not being informed at all. There is no intention to inform you, and half the time the things they're saying are made up out of whole cloth. There's no basis in reality, and we know these things about the news. And yet, up to 75% of this country, by some of the stats that I read, get 100% of their information from the television. And this is insane. This is exactly what feeds the beast. If large numbers of us could begin to realize the simple facts that I'm outlining here, maybe things would begin to change. But... You know, I've given you a couple methods here. Go test your sitcoms. Go test your news. Look for the things that I've talked about here and begin to recognize it for what it is. Um, Moving on. 
Oh, and I guess I should mention there's there's another part of this. There's a technique that's being labeled pseudoscience that's called victimology, which is delivered to you through your television every single day. As a matter of fact, almost every time you sit down. Um, what the social engineers discovered was that they could actually inflict trauma on the mass audience by repeatedly showing very graphic um, traumatizing events. And when people are in the proper state of mind, they've been sitting in front of their TV for an hour or so, uh, a form of trauma actually does happen. And you can test this on your local news. If you look at your local news, you would almost be led to believe uh, that nothing good ever happens. Someone got killed. Someone got raped. Someone got hit by a car. This young schoolboy who worked his way up as a dishwasher was an honor student. He got hit by a car and he was killed. Um, this kind of trauma-based news. And the average person will look at it and they will think, man, this world is an unsafe place. Well, first of all, most of what you see come from your news is scripted nonsense with no basis in reality, and the laws were legally changed, uh, the, what was it, the Schmidt-Munt Act of uh, the 40s that, that supposedly protected us from propaganda during the World War II era was revised in 2012. Many of the people who have looked at the revision of this act are basically saying what it comes down to is news can legally lie to us and propagandize us all day long. So the first thing you should understand is it is likely when you're looking at rapid-fire trauma off your local or national news that there's no basis in reality for it. But secondarily, what you should recognize is when you are coerced into the proper state of mind, you are literally being traumatized by this kind of technique. And you can test this again. Tonight when your local news comes on, pay attention. How long was the news piece? Was it 30 seconds? Were there... Two sentences, three sentences with five, six, seven words apiece in those sentences reporting that segment of the news. How many news items are you presented with in a half an hour? Your local news is a little different because they're going to jam sports and weather in there, of course. But even the weather is weaponized. Um, as a matter of fact, on, uh, on the Weather Channel, which has become a major purveyor of fear porn, they have shows with names like The Weather Underground. Well... In some of my past shows, you can remember that the Weather Underground was an invented terrorist organization from the 60s and 70s. As a matter of fact, during the Obama campaign, uh, he was palling around with terrorists was one of the big nonsense things they, they invented. And of course, they were referring to the terrorist organization, the Weather Underground. And yet here we have the Weather Channel, a national channel, calling one of their segments the Weather Underground. Every person that is older than 40 years old understands what the weather underground is. There's a subconscious effect by this. But to get back to the trauma, when your evening local news comes on, you live in that area. You should have a pretty good idea that if you went out in your car every day, would you witness a rape? Would you witness a murder? Would you witness an accident? You need to start to pull this back to reality. Because in your lifetime, what you witness in real life would have the biggest bearing on what you think about the world. But yet we're substituting this for what the television tells us. And when you see your next local news, count. Start counting from the first news item presented 
for 30 minutes and see how many of them fit the trauma method of uh, manipulation, of mass psychological manipulation that is an outlined method of the Tavistock Institute and other places. So there's another thing you can look at to begin to firmly put the stamp of disapproval on your television set and understand what it is actually there for and what it is actually doing. So moving on down the road. Okay, so let's look at how television combines with print media and other so-called news sources to basically commit trickery and fraud right in your face. And we'll use WikiLeaks as an example. This was covered pretty well in the book Tavistock Institute. It's covered online in a number of places, and anyone can go to the typical mainstream services to look up the dates uh, regarding WikiLeaks. So WikiLeaks, the fraud WikiLeaks, so many people are aware that Julian Assange and WikiLeaks is just a site set up in an effort. Let, let me preface this. What I'm about to tell you is why the news and print media and television handled it in the way they did. What WikiLeaks is, is a front. It's a front that attempts to get people who may have real secret information that they want to leak out to give it to the wrong people. That's what Wiki, WikiLeaks is. Julian Assange is a fraud. He's an actor. He's no different than the, the jackass that owns uh, SpaceX and uh, Tesla Motors, Elon Musk. Same kind of thing going on there. Just agents of the system. So let me get into this. WikiLeaks starts in December of 2006. For some reason, both the Washington Post, Time Magazine, and TV cover this when there is absolutely no reason. WikiLeaks hasn't done anything of interest. Um, but in the Time covers it in a way, Time Magazine covers it in a way where they're basically telling you how to go to the site and use it. And they do this in 2007. They do it two months before the kind of first big, supposed WikiLeaks story comes out. So think about what we're saying here. You've got print, big print publications, like the Washington Post and Time Magazine, in concert with television, talking about this thing that isn't even really a thing yet, and then two months before its supposed first big leak case, they covered extensively telling people how to go to the website and how to use the website and decipher the website and all this other nonsense. And they do this, again, two months before the first big supposed case. So what you're looking at here is a really overarching kind of devious plan. This fake front called WikiLeaks is set up to try to fool people into thinking they have an outlet to try to out perceived wrongs, to leak something they think some organization or government or whatever is doing wrong. The problem here is, is that WikiLeaks are the very people who are doing the wrong. Whether it's a CIA front or some other intelligence front, it is a fraud site. It's what it is. And, and you can kind of tell this by the story as it's unfolded, how they brought Assange out and they were going to sue him and they made all this kind of fear porn around supposed leaked documents. But what has WikiLeaks ever done for us? Well, of course, they invented the Snowden nonsense. You've all been snowed. Anyone who accepts the Snowden nonsense. It's an ongoing thing. And in these events... 
we can logically decipher the nonsense. And in the case of WikiLeaks, it is trickery and fraud, all backed by a massive information machine. And again, why in the heck were they outing it before it even mattered and telling you how to use the website and all these other things? And that sets aside the whole, I don't know whether it was 60 Minutes or whatever, when Julian Assange is hiding in the safe house under, you know, the only place he can be where they can't arrest him and all this other ridiculous kind of fear porn designed to scare people who might want to stand up against the system because they know some perceived wrong is going on trying to scare them just to sit down and shut up. Of course, Snowden is the same story reiterated a bit later. So when you consider these things, it is a heck of a good window in, and I would urge anyone to go look at the story of WikiLeaks. Um, look at when it came into being, its startup. Uh, look at the, the players or the actors is another good way to say that. Look at the Washington Post and time coverage and the timing of that. Then look at the supposed big first leak. And if you want to, you could follow it all the way up to Julian Assange crouching in a safe house. It's all nonsense. And it demonstrates what these systems, TV and media, are for. Um, they're corporations, and they are serving the people at the top. They do not serve the people, and they never will. Moving along. Another good example of media leading everybody as a mass group astray is polling. Polling is originally derived by folks like the Tavistock Institute and other think tanks from the idea of stereotyping, just so folks know. And you can go do research and look up these things. But as I began to look into polling and what got me thinking about it was what I was seeing uh, around the supposed election for presidency in the United States right now. The polling always feeling wrong. You know, we're split. Some ridiculous thing would happen, but these polls are always neck and neck. And so I looked into how polling is generated. And what I found is that the average polling can be produced in less than 24 hours. What you're looking at is corporate media needing a tool to sway the opinions of people. In other words, say you were behind this one thing, but the polls came out and told you the thing you were behind was only supported by 6% of the population. What would that do to your overall motivation to back the thing you think is correct? That's just kind of a small example of what polling does. But on a larger frame, like with a presidential election, when you constantly see the polling neck and neck, which is so often the case, and it goes up by a point, it's almost like watching a sports game where your team is about to score the goal and you're so invested in that extra point and you're so invested in who wins, us and them, the whole, all these ideas wrapped up in it. But ultimately, you're looking at a corporate institution wanting numbers to sway public opinion and having a, a poll produced in any way they would like it to be produced in less than 24 hours. I would urge people again to go out and look at how polling is put together and use a critical eye. Don't fall for the overarching statements and the claims. Look a little more carefully, knowing that the place that presents poll numbers is a corporation serving itself. Um, keep that in mind. 
You know, so often when I'm watching a movie or some television show and I see things encoded into it, um, both in the set and what's being said, um, or gestures, you know, not too, too long ago, I ran a piece that showed Mary Tyler Moore singing with David Letterman and Michael Keaton, the first Batman, um, an old Paul McCartney and Wings song, Dance Number, and they're all wearing football jerseys and the line something, watch the town explode. As she says that line of the the song, she sweeps her hands in front of two football jerseys that say 9 and 11. This is some 30 years or more before the events of 9-11 will take place in New York, and they are doing the skit in New York. But I've always wondered, how does that part of the sequence make it into what gets televised or put into a movie? And I found some accounts of how this happens, and believe it or not, the claim is is that on every production set, there are advisors that are actually psychological experts. And like on a Disney show, they would be kids psychological experts. I'm not even kidding about this. But they are either from Tavistock or the Frankfurt School or other places. Uh, that, and they're experts in psychology, basically. And so among the ways I researched and saw that this is done, this is one of the ways. So someone comes up with a story. And I suppose it could be some outside person from the Hollywood scene, um, or it's young people, quite often, but in their 30s or 40s, that come up with the story. Once someone is interested in the story, the script goes to the writers, and they put the meat and potatoes of the writing in, but it's all done with very, very simple language. After that, the producers and directors get it because uh, it's about to go into production. Now, I've always considered that it's the directors that must be doing this on movies. Um, and this is a hard thing to know. And by, by the way, bear in mind, almost any successful show, really successful show that you see on television will have a version of that show recreated for other language audiences in other countries. And that is a very telling thing. But anyhow, right before it goes into production... While the producers and directors have it, the advisors, quote-unquote, that I talked about from places like Tavistock, who are the psychological engineering experts, the social engineering experts, take the script and add what, I, what we can only assume are the little portions that those of us who have learned to see pick up in basically everything that gets televised or put in a movie. So for all the people who are wondering... Um, how that's done. This is one of the versions uh, that researchers outlined. Now, I have always thought that directors for movies must be in on this. And here's why. You get like the director of Blade Runner and you go look at the movies that were made and you begin to see a commonality. Uh, in the same way, uh, what's the guy's name? Is it Zemeckis? I don't remember. Maybe it's Zemeckis. But the guy who did the uh, Back to the Future movies is a good example the majority of us are aware of what was being done in the Back to the Future movies. They were pre-echoing 9-11 all those years in advance of it. And it's not really an arguable point. I mean, it is definitively outlined by people who have taken the movie apart. But what we see is that same director, even up to the common day, uh, there's another movie that came out about some guy who supposedly high-wire walked between the Twin Towers of all things. Um, now, people have researched to try to figure out if this was even a real event, and I think most people are unsure. 
They can't find any real images or anything, but the point is, same director made that movie, and now people are beginning to make the claims. I don't know if this is true, but I have seen the work in progress where they're saying that the guy on the tight wire is somehow related to Marty McFly from all those years ago, and of course the Twin Towers are involved, and of course the original movies with Back to the Future were pre-echoing um, you know, mind, getting your mind all set for 9-11, the uh, social engineering, the subconscious kind of seed planting going on there, and, and there's much more to it. Of course, this is also a bit like showing your hand to the audience, and, uh, you know, in a lot of shows I've done, people have asked me why they're doing this. It's, it's an involved thing to talk about. Um, to some degree, maybe it's a bit like Lesser Magic, where if they just blindsided everyone, there would be a price to pay for that because the people they're blindsiding have no chance. But the flip side of that idea would be if they have shown you, uh, hinted out, and literally shown you in some cases um, what they're about to do, somehow it alleviates the cause and effect or karma or there's many ideas behind why this is done. I would submit um, that there's also an alchemical side of things. And if you look at the third law of alchemical tradition uh it's it's revealing what was previously hidden or something to that effect people can go look up the first free laws or rules whatever they're called to to doing alchemical procedures but there it is man you're looking at a machine um in this particular researched account where stories are made the script is intentionally set up very simply initially then it makes it to the producers and directors which kind of tells you that the initial script is meant to be changed. And how many shows or movies have you seen where the writer comes in to pitch his story and, of course, there's going to be changes made. There are always, in every account you ever see in film, on television, the guy who's making the decision is already changing the script. So there's your kind of coded reference to what's about to go on. And then the producers and directors get prepared for production and the, quote, advisors, the psychological experts, come in and they seed what's about to be filmed and presented to the masses uh, with the things that are necessary for social engineering. So there is one possible account of how it's done and I think it's quite, quite telling and possible as, a, as an accurate account. And I also still do think that directors have a lot to do with what comes to us in uh, major motion pictures. Now I want to talk a minute about hidden message, hid, hidden messages in, in broadcast media. Um, people are pretty familiar with the things we were told in school way back in the day, like in the 50s before the laws to protect us changed, you know, in like print alcohol ads there would be like words like sex written into the ice cubes and it's been pretty well demonstrated this was done as a matter of fact it was demonstrated in a lot of different ways where they would in a movie theater a single frame would flash a penis or a naked woman um, to have a subconscious effect on the audience and we know these things are done as a matter of fact if you go on YouTube you can still find people in Disney ads and other things taking them apart in the same way, finding the word sex or, you know, a penis built into a castle for Little Mermaid or something like this. You can go research this and see that it's been done up into the modern age. But from the book, the Tavistock Institute, there was an interesting claim made, and I haven't had time 
to look into this, but I would be interested if anyone listening to this does go out and research it and find that it's true and make a clip about it or something, I would like to see that. The claim is is that in the Russell Crowe version of Gladiator, there is some portion where there's a fight scene going on and I think someone gets hit in the head, there's a head wound, and there is a frame flashed that says JFK, which would be a pretty damning thing if it's true, if someone out there does the research to confirm it, I may at some point if I have the time. And remember again, JFK assassination was just another staged event. There is a version. JFK was Irish. There is a version of his name in Gaelic, which means ugly head or head wound. And of course, all the 33 degree Masons around the JFK hoax. I mean, we've kind of already covered that. Gerald Ford, I believe, was a 33rd degree Mason. Hoover was a Mason. Uh, the guy Dulles, head of the CIA. I don't know if they were all 33rd degree Masons, but they were all Masons. And they all had to do with the investigation of the supposed JFK assassination. Um, you can see the nonsense. Not only are the chickens guard, or the foxes guarding the hen house, they built the hen house. It's all nonsense. But to get back to the hidden messages, um, this kind of thing has been demonstrated to go on. And I would imagine if uh, someone just wanted to make a channel about this, they could probably start taking just about anything that's broadcast on TV, taking it apart frame by frame and maybe begin to uncover this method still being used. And again, in the book Tavistock Institute, it is claimed this is going on. But let's take this idea a bit further and relate it to our children. In the same way that you might write the word sex in ice cubes to affect adults in an alcohol commercial, is this next idea possible? And I, I think there's some there there. Have you ever noticed how all the things that are supposed to be teaching your kids, educate, educational TV and other things, they're animals. They're talking animals that have been kind of mixed mashed, you know, given the ability to talk, walking upright, but they're animals teaching your kid, like on Sesame Street. Or another good example is SpongeBob, because I think there were so many studies done at one point that demonstrated if your children watched SpongeBob, they had something like an 80% chance of being less intelligent, which is not hard to imagine. You know, when I was a very young kid watching cartoons and say Batman came on, well, in a way I would idolize him. Or Aquaman, you know, in a weird way that would be like my kid hero. Well, think about someone having those same feelings for Patrick the Starfish, who's a complete moron. And then SpongeBob being his buddy and pretty pretty much accepting everything that's moronic about him. What effect does that have on a young mind? And then pull it over to Sesame Street. The idea here is that by using animals and not human beings to teach, that they're somehow, again, subconsciously manipulating you down into that limbic, animalistic, reptilian mind. Um, I would need to look into it a lot more, but I absolutely think there's something to this. Just on the face of it, if we look at, look at Disney. It's a mouse. It's a dog. It's a duck. It's always an animal that is interacting with the children. And I think this is part of the overarching sociology and psychology aimed at an entire population of a world to dumb us all down into the limbic mind and basically start to become the animals 
that their early psychological work claimed we were in the first place. In other words, making up this idea and then working very hard over generations to make this lie become a true thing. And in, in this case, the lie is, is that human beings in mass are no better than animals. And uh, so there, there's something to think about. Okay, that is the end of the first hour. Um, there is so much more in the second hour. Um, I go into so much, and I even begin to address how we can take measures to begin to break some of the social engineering that is going on as individuals. Um, I talk about how to do that with variety and other methods that I've mentioned here. But last night, I'll mention this before I close out. Last night, our clocks fell back. Um, traditionally, this is usually done in the fall on a Sunday. And the reason I, I remember this is because how many times has this happened and people show up to work on Monday at the wrong time over and over? Well, last night, um, today is Sunday and the clock changed last night. And uh, this is another form of social engineering. There is no reason at all to switch the clocks. Some of the excuses when it was initially implemented had to do with giving farmers more daylight. And I always remember the supposed quote from some supposed Indian chief, if there ever was such a person. But the quote was this, uh, a supposed Indian chief saying, only the white man would cut a foot off the bottom of a blanket and sew it back to the top of the blanket and think he'd change something. Now, I don't know the veracity of the source of this, but the idea of it shows exactly what's going on. And here's the thing. It pulls us out of the cycle of time, and it does it near the equinox each time. And equinoxes are very key, as I've covered for so long so often. And very this morning, my mother had gone out to go to church, and of course she was an hour early because there was no one there yet. It's confusion, right? What's the purpose of this? You can logically begin to deduce that this nonsensical thing that has no real modern value that you can assign to it in any way and you can even question the validity of why it was originally done to supposedly give farmers more daylight of all ridiculous things you just get up at the right time if if a farmer was in that position why would you change the clock and then on top of it you have states like arizona where the great city of phoenix of course is and they don't do daylight savings time anymore so these constructs are all around us, and we just walk through life. So many of us swallowing what we're handed. And I would urge people, it's time to start paying attention. And in the second hour, I do delineate some good ways to begin lifting yourself out of the socially engineered mindset and actually take steps to combat it. Anyhow, the second hour will be posted at crow777radio.com for members. Uh, I hope to see you folks there. Cheers. Cheers.